0: Today on It's Time. And I said to them, whosoever has any gold, let him break it off. And they gave it to me. I cast it into the fire and wabbo, this cat came out. I hear the calling, it's time. It's time.
1: Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike.
0: I pray you have your Bible, and I'd like to invite you to open them, if you have them, to the book of Exodus, as we go through this book, chapter 32. You know, a lot of people say, as a New Testament church, why do we even read the Old Testament? Well, in the Old Testament tells you the heart of God. It is interesting that God gave Moses the Ten Commandments written on stone. But the Bible says in the new covenant, God's going to write his law on our hearts of flesh. Big difference. And so this morning, as we look at this, we find that Moses goes up to the mountain to receive in hard copy, the 10 commandments. While he's getting this, God speaks to him and says, go down quickly, Moses, your people have gone astray. He comes down from the mountain and there we find the children of Israel who less than 40 days before were willing to obey God. In fact, they said all God says we will do are naked dancing around a golden calf. Moses is filled with anger. He takes the Ten Commandments. He throws them down. He breaks them. By the way, Moses, I think, had a little problem with anger, whether it was killing the Egyptian guard or breaking the Ten Commandments. But whatever it was, we're going to talk about anger in a few minutes. But the thing is, what is really amazing is that Moses, as his anger is against the people, he still intercedes for them. If you have your Bible again, Exodus chapter 32 And by the way, when we look at these things and we look at the Ten Commandments, this is what is necessary for society to exist. Now, there's a lot of things in governments that will cause people to band together or to be forced together. In the United States, we have in our Declaration of Independence that we are endowed by our creator. In other words, the very foundations of our country recognize God and that you are endowed by a creator. And if you're created by God, you are created for something. The communist world, the socialist world, does not believe this. They believe that you are evolved. You're just another worker bee, another ant, get in line. And if you don't stay in line, we have guns and gulags to make you stay in line. What holds society together is either the law of God or the point of a gun and gulags. This is the difference between our form of government and the communist socialist form of government. And people need to realize, that. oh, it's just another way of of governing people. Oh, no, it's not, friends. It is a totalitarian dictatorship to take away your freedoms. I've said often, I believe communism and socialism is the cruelest form of government that is on the earth today. It is interesting in Seattle, Washington, that they tore down the statues of Christopher Columbus... But you know what they have there now? Statues of Joseph Stalin. Yeah, the one that murdered 20 to 30 million fellow Russians. You see, if you believe that that is a good form of government, you don't know God's word. And do you realize what we read today and what we've been reading It's how God will judge the world and govern the world someday during the millennial reign of Christ. Where the Bible says, you who are believers will rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. This is what God will be ruling and reigning with. So it's important then that we know. So we can't say, well, I'm a New Testament Christian. We have no use for the Old Testament. Simply speaks of a person's ignorance concerning God's word. Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus, when he said that, was referring to the Old Testament. Not in keeping the law, because now the law is written on our heart. Where Jesus summarized it as they came to him and they said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love God with your whole heart, mind and spirit. And then he said the second is likened unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said this, upon these two, not ten, upon these two hang all the law and the prophets. This is why anybody that comes to your door trying to get you to go back under the law, Sabbath keeping, not eating pork, all those things, anybody that tries to do that does not know God does not know God's word. Because if they did, they would understand that the commandments of Jesus, Jesus said this, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's not speaking of the Ten Commandments, friends. The two commandments that Jesus gave was to love God and love your fellow man. Isn't that the way you want somebody to treat you? Is the way you want to treat them. You see, that's what God wants from us. And so because of that, this is why it's important to know not only how is God going to judge the world someday, i.e. the Old Testament but how the law of God, when Jesus reigns from Jerusalem, Israel, and you will be his ambassadors, what you will be doing. I like to know ahead of time what's going on. I don't want to go to heaven and look at the, you know, the, the emerald rainbow above the throne and the creatures going up and go, what the what's that? Like a bunch of country bumpkins. The Bible tells us what that is. If you read Revelation chapters 4 and 5, if you look at Isaiah chapter 6, you get this picture of the heavenly scene. What's going to be there? Why is that important? To know how God's going to run the world, judge the world someday. Not that you will be judged because Jesus Christ took your judgment on the cross, but how an ungodly world. Now, remember, during the millennial reign of Christ, some seven year north of today, the Bible says that we will reign over the earth with Christ. Remember, there's going to be people that make it through, amazingly, through the tribulation period. And they will live to be a thousand years old. The curse is gone off the earth and God restores it. Men will live, women will live to be nearly a thousand years old. The Bible tells us that if a, child, if a person dies at a hundred years old, they'll be considered a child. That's kind of weird. You'll actually get your house paid off. But you look at this and you realize that this is what's going on. But here's something else to remember. During the millennial reign of Christ, there's still going to be people with the old sin nature. The Bible tells us that we need to be born again. Not only today, but during the millennial reign of Christ. You must be born again. There is something inherited in humanness called the old sin nature. Sinning does not make you a sinner. Sinning proves what you are. There's a big difference. So understanding that, as we look at this, God gives man the Ten Commandments. Now, the Bible tells us a lot about this old sin nature. Something you need to understand. The Bible said it's not within man to live righteously. We are rascals by nature. We are lawbreakers by nature. We don't even know we do it. You could observe it in your children. But if you really kind of get sensitive in your own little world... You'll go to a door, it'll say, push, we'll pull. It'll say, wet paint, don't touch, got to check it out. It's just the way we are. Speed limit says 55, hey, you can go 57, they won't give you a ticket. We are lawbreakers by nature. But the Bible says that we want to be more like Christ. And so, when we understand this old sin nature, when we understand what the Ten Commandments were, and again, going back to Exodus 20, where the Ten Commandments were initially given in the hearing of all the people of Israel at the base of Mount Sinai, where they had all gathered. God spoke from the fire of the, the mountain, the clouds, the lightning from the mountain. And the Bible says all the congregation of Israel heard God speak in an audible voice. That'd been pretty cool, huh? God heard them, uh, they all heard God speak. And when, he heard, when they all heard God speak, they said, all that God has said, we will do. Now, I believe that's very significant because I believe when a person says, all God that you say, I will do. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe God puts your name in the book of life. Not everybody's name is in the book of life. He, uh, the book of Revelation 13, 7, 17, excuse me, 13, 8, 17, 8, says, and those people who are not, names are not written in the book of life, worship the beast and his image, which means basically the whole world. The idea that everybody's name is in the book of life, and then you do something really rotten, and your name is taken out of the book of life is not Biblical. Your name is in the book of life because you have chosen to obey what God has said. Thy kingdom come, as Jesus taught the disciples. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, we have the Ten Commandments given. We have God telling Moses, you better hurry down. You got problems in River City. Let's pray. Father, as we read these words today, may your Holy Spirit cause them to come alive that we will not forget them. And Lord, that we see the futility and the foolishness of making God's ourselves, And so we ask you now to bless this. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you keep, remind us of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to verse 15. We covered the first part of this last week. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain. Now, again, uh, he had to get down in a hurry because there was problems. We remember that that Moses went up to the mountain with Joshua. Yes, the same Joshua at the Battle of Jericho. That same Joshua, okay? They went up the mountain. Joshua waited at a place. Moses went on up further and, and spoke with God. So it says, he came down from the mountain. The two tablets where the testimony were in his hand. This is where the old saying comes, Moses, uh, your people give me a headache, take two tablets and call me in the morning. Okay. The two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides, on one side and on the other, they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God And the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. That had to be something when Moses saw this being, this is probably the first illustration of laser etching in the the world. But he actually carved it right out of the mountain and gave it to Moses. Now, I imagine they weren't real thick. I don't think God would give the law in a burdensome form. But in other words, they weren't some. Solid gold plate, where it logically would be impossible to lift up where they weigh five hundred pounds, I believe these were probably like uh, a little thicker than probably a tile that you would get at your local hardware store or something like that, where it was cut on both sides and it says and when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted. He said to Moses, there is noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the voice of those who shout in, it, it is not the voice of those who shout in victory, nor it is the voice who cry out in defeat. It is the voice of those who sing that I hear. Now wondering, what in the world does this mean? So it was, as soon as he came near the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing, and Mo, so Moses became angry. His anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hand, broke them at the foot of the mountain. Now it says they were dancing around. The word in the Hebrew applies. They were dancing around the calf naked. It's like an orgy is what they were. They, they were all into doing all this weird stuff going on. And then they took the calf which they had made he burned it with fire and ground it into powder and scattered it on the water and made the children of israel drink it that's kind of weird the golden calf he takes it and he burns it melts it back down from what it was then he ground it up he put it he put it in the water and made the children of israel drink it Something you won't find in any biblical commentary is a story on this. But you will find it in medical manuals. Now, I don't want to be gross here, so I'll do the best I can to make it as nice as I can, okay? They ate the ground-up gold. They drank it, but it same as eating it, because it didn't... Well you all know that I'm trying to be as kind as I can be here. You know when you eat something and it's not digested, what happens to it? Can you imagine the children of Israel one day worshiping this calf, then it being melted down and grounded up, and they eat it, and then they go off and go to the bathroom. And as they walk away, they leave behind them, little sparkly things. Now again, friends, you can check this out in the medical manual. You don't have to take my word for it. And you won't find it in a Bible commentary, but the fact of the matter is the goal wasn't digested and here is their God that they worship mixed with feces. That's what God thought of their idol. You think about that for a minute. Somebody last week I mentioned this to, and they said, Boy, now if you had a metal detector, go back out there where they were. There'd be gold out there. I was in a Bible study one time. There's a dirt road. I was in a Bible study one time. And the Bible says that when Jesus Christ comes back, he puts his foot on the Mount Mount of Olives. The mountain splits in half. The Bible speaks of massive tectonic plate movement during the tribulation. And especially when Jesus comes back and puts his foot on the Mount of Olives. And the Bible says that the Dead Sea will be fresh water again. It'll flow. And somebody said in the Bible, they said, well, what we need to do is go over there right now and buy land up all along the Dead Sea. It's going to be worth a fortune. And I go, how do you think like this? Anyway, another whole topic. But the point is that they saw their God become nothing. In fact, irreproachable where you wouldn't even want to touch it. And so he says, he made them drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? So Aaron said, now Aaron is Moses' brother. When Moses was called by God to go tell Pharaoh to let the people go, Moses told God, but but, 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 but I can't talk, talk, talk good. And God didn't buy his excuse. He said, then take your brother Aaron and let him be his, your spokesman. So he goes to Aaron. Aaron, now you got to remember, had seen the miracles before Pharaoh. The 10 miracles were brought upon the land of Egypt by Moses through Aaron They saw the pillar of fire by by night, the cloud of smoke by day to keep the sun off their little bald heads. And so all of this was going on. And Moses says to Aaron, what did they say to you to cause you to deviate so far from what God wanted? And so Aaron said, do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know this people that they are set on evil. Now, again, reminiscent of the Garden of Eden, where God says, Why did you eat of the tree? And we remember Adam says, Well, that woman you gave me. Now, if there's a problem here, God, it's either you or her. Don't blame me, not my circus, not my monkey. Now, wait a minute. Why are you naked? Who told you you were naked? Well, that woman you gave me. In other words, Adam didn't assume any responsibility for his sin. Then all sin nature is to blame somebody else for what is wrong. Now, there's a lot to this. I shared the story last week about the king of Russia. Years, well, when they still had a king, went through one of the prisons. And as he's going through one of the prisons, he would talk to the different uh, inmates that were there in prison. And he came to one, and after he talked to the others, no, I'm innocent, I shouldn't be here. He came to one guy, and, and he said, are you guilty of your crimes while you're in this dungeon? And he said, yes, I'm completely guilty. The king looked at his... Helpers and he said, get this man out of prison right now. He said, I can't have this evil man corrupting all these good people in prison. The guy, king gave him a pardon because he admitted... Is sin, but that's not within the nature of man. We want to blame somebody else for what we've done wrong. Well, that woman you gave me, or, or well, I stole because I didn't have enough money, or I, I did this because of this, and we all have our excuses, and we think that in some way we have our little deal with God, that God will smile at me because even though I know I sinned, well, you know, I was entitled to it. Well, this is the problem that we run into with Aaron. Well, you know, there are a group of people bent on sinning. For they said to me, make us gods that shall go before us. As for Moses, the man who brought us out out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. And I said to them, whosoever has any gold, let him break it off. And they gave it to me. I cast it into the fire. And wabbo, this calf came out. Wow. Now, this is what you call telling a lie. And in the words of Adolf Hitler, if you're going to lie, tell a big one. This is a big one. I said to them, you give me your earrings. I threw this into the fire. And this is what came out. Well, very clearly, if you go back to the first part of the chapter, it says that he formed it. Yes, it is true. And you'll find that in a lie, there's an element of truth. There is an element of truth in that they did break off their earrings. They did give him gold. But where the lie comes in is we threw it into the fire. And this is what came out as if it was some kind of divine miracle. Friends, this is kind of weird because, again, you understand that Moses knows God. Moses knew that this just didn't happen or come out. Well, Moses saw that the people were unrestrained. Now, again, going back to the dancing around naked. For Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, let him come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side, and go in and out from the entrance to entrance throughout the camp, and let every man kill his brother, every man, his companion, every man, his neighbor. In other words, those that were part of this insurrection, dancing around the golden calf, you execute them. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of the Lord, about 3,000 men of people fell that day. Then Moses said, consecrate, which means set yourself apart. Yourselves today to the Lord that he may bestow on you a blessing this day for every man has opposed his son and his brother. It is interesting when all of this is going on, there were friends and relatives and people that they knew, but they realized the offense to God of making a golden calf was so bad that it didn't matter. And God says, I will bless you in spite of what you just had to do.
1: Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening.